calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and you are watching and listening to the Downtown Riders Jam video podcast, which is part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. We are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker today. And if you're an astute watcher, it's in the evening. I have the window open. I don't have that open during the day. Got a really good show for you today. On the program is Samantha Specks, who has her debut novel out called Dovetail in Tall Grass. And I'm going to tell you that if you are a listener of the program, you know that I have people from all publishing backgrounds on this show. We don't privilege writing here. I talk about this all the time, not always on air, uh, but sometimes on air. Writing is a craft, man. It's a craft. Whether you're in the business of writing, whether you're somebody that's writing bestsellers for HarperCollins, like my friend Janelle, whether you are somebody building your own empire, like Whitney Hill, who's been on the program, it doesn't matter anywhere in between. It is really hard to write. And if you can do it, I've like, I've, I know I've talked about this off air so much. I have more respect for the people that write those romance novels that come out like every month and who like are literally just cranking that stuff out because it's a formula. Obviously it's a formula. Everything's formula, but to do it well, and to develop a following and to get people hooked on your stuff, I don't give a shit who's publishing it because that's really hard to do. I know because I'm a professional writer and I can't do it. So I'm always looking for people who come from a variety of publishing backgrounds. And I got one today. Uh, Samantha Specks you're going to hear her story is hilarious. It's one of those, if you're a writer, I mean, she's a writer too, but like, if you've been doing this for a while, like you're going to hear this story and just be like, God damn, like, Oh, that's the, that's the one. Um, she's a clinical social worker. That's what she does. She and her, uh, husband live in Houston, um, with their baby and their dog. Uh, they, she's from Minnesota. 
uh, they move down there. Um, and uh, when they're not in Texas, they're either in Minnesota, they're out in Colorado, outdoorsy folks, you'll see. Uh, and and dovetail uh, dovetail in the dovetails in the grass dovetails in tall grass. I don't know why I can't get that out. Is her debut novel, and it's interesting. The other reason I wanted to have her on the show, outside of the fact that she's just one of those people that like, I mean, she, you're going to hear like she never planned on being a writer, and then one day she was like, I think I need to write this book, and then did you know and did the stuff that you do gets an editor like does all the stuff. I rarely talk to people on the show who are like, yeah, I had no designs on being a writer until, you know, until all of a sudden they're in life. And they're like, I think I need to do this. That interested me. The other thing is there's this massive conversation going on in the literary world about who and what you can write about. And you know, me, uh, I always say I don't get political on the show, but like, if you listen to the show, like, you know, where I stand on stuff and I don't, I believe that writers should be able to embody the stories of other people who are different than them. And this is a story uh, that's told from two points of view, uh, a native American and uh, a white settler. And it's based on some real stuff that happened up in Minnesota. Um, and I believe that you can embody, I think as a writer, you need to be able to embody other people's stories. But the way that you do that is by going out and doing the research, by going out and doing the work. We always talk about the work, always the work, the work, you got to do the work. And the work is um, what you're going to hear Samantha talk about, right? Which is sitting down with people from the backgrounds that you're writing about, having readers that help you make sure that you are portraying things right, or that there's a cultural understanding and that you're not sort of an outsider, an interloper, like writing about a thing without really understanding stuff, spending time with people um, and making sure that what you're doing is right. And we talked about uh, Come From Away, which is one of those like ethnographic plays. That's amazing. I'm not going to, if you haven't seen the movie, or you don't know the story, we'll talk about it on the show. But that was the other reason, because I wanted to have that conversation, because you'll see, and as she says, like, she's a white girl, right? And we white people have done a pretty bad job of embodying other people's stories at times. And so I wanted to have that. I was really interested. I honestly did not know. Um, I thought just so reading about her and and what she had done and sort of the story of how she came to the story. I'm like, nah, I think that we're going to be okay. But I didn't know. Uh, and I will, I will spoil it for you. Like she did the work. I mean, it's not my decision to, to do that, but the response to the book seems to suggest that she's done the work. So it's just, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. And uh, it's one of those that like, because she's an, and I say new writer, I meaning this is her first book, but like it wasn't a thing that she necessarily set out to do. You can still sort of see the wonder of this whole thing, right? Which is exciting for me, right? When people find that we talk about on the show all the time, finding your voice, finding the story you want to tell, finding the world that you want to inhabit. Uh, and to do that out of the box, I mean, that's, that's fucking exciting. And, you know, in 10 years, she'll, I think, view this particular time differently. I don't know, like I'm not uh, a fortune teller, but I have, I've known enough writers to know this feeling that she has now. So it was really exciting for me to talk to her about 
this stuff because it both is like imagine coming out of the box and being like square in the middle of what the literary world is fighting over and then like because she's a social worker and because of her background like that kind of ethnographic sociological work is like part of who she is so it makes sense that it all works out so uh that was just it's a fun conversation man and and uh she's super cool and you can tell she's still trying to like tiptoe into this world because you know writers are petty <laughs> like we have goofy fights about shit we have real fights about real stuff but sometimes we have goofy fights about goofy shit um and so being in someone that did not come of age with that as your thing like that's a pretty brave thing to do to step into that so she's super great it's a fun ass interview uh i can't wait to read the book um as you know like Louise Fine and Annika Scott, like all these people got me into this historical fiction now. So like, apparently this is my new favorite genre. Uh, before we get to Samantha, a couple things. The Jam, our 60 minute long form program comes out every Wednesday. The video podcast comes out on Monday and Friday. Two things I'm going to ask you to do. Leave us a review. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, I need you to not only leave a star, uh, but leave us a written review. I don't only if you like it. If you fucking hate this show, like don't don't do that. Um, if you don't use Apple, head on over to our Facebook page at the Writers Jam and click on the review button and leave us a review. That's one thing you can do. The second thing is you. Everybody knows people that read. Uh, tell them about us. Tell them you got this cool show or. As people described this, it's the least literary, literary podcast, right? You're going to have a freewheeling, fun conversation with writers that you may not hear in other places. That's the best way to help us spread the word. Over at writersjam.com, you can check out the video series. You can get book reviews. You can click on the bookshop link, support local and independent bookstores by buying books through them. Sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also support the entire Solid Listen podcast network. Uh, Molly and Nicole continue to grow this thing for just a couple dollars a month. You get commercial free episodes, bonus content, all kind of stuff like they're cranking stuff out all the time. And uh, it's well worth your while and you'll be supporting a lot of really fun podcasts. Molly is really, um, I'm one of the few shows that they did not develop. She is really trying to develop new voices around this stuff. And so that supports the mission and the cause of what they're doing out there. So uh, thank you for stopping by the bunker to spend a little bit of time with us. I don't know what time of day it is for you. Starting to get evening around here. Uh, I hope that your day is going well. I hope that you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourselves and each other. And I hope that you will sit back and spend about 35 minutes with me and Samantha Specs as we talk about her book and her life, but mostly her book, Dovetails and Tall Grass. I'm always interested in the writing journey that people go like, is this a thing that you'd always wanted to do? Or did you just find a story and find yourself like, oh, shit, I feel like I need to write this book. The latter, for sure. Yes, <laughs> This was in my brain. I just I I thought about it on my runs. And my husband, when we moved to Texas, was like, why don't you write that story you're always talking about? And I was like, do I talk about it a lot? Like, I was almost surprised <laughs> to realize like how much it was coming out of me. And it felt just like this weird vibration thing. I was like, I got to do this because it just feels like one of those life things that you got to take a swing at when you have a chance. And so, yeah. yeah, I did. And so when you were doing it, and we don't talk a lot about craft because writing is 
it's fucking awful. It's that nobody has any fun doing it. It's only fun when you're done. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like dentistry, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like anything. Like, so did you? Did you just sit down and bang this out yourself, or did you like join a writing group, or like did you do like like how like once you started writing and realized I don't exactly know how to do this, mm-hmm. what did you do? <laughs> yeah, I I found. I knew the story. I knew I had the story. I just needed to kind of find the right channel. And for someone, I needed like a trainer. And so I hired an editor through a program called Author Accelerator, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that at all. No. Mental editor. They really helped me out. And it was just kind of a perfect fit of an editor, um, Kathleen Furin, who is on the East Coast. And she just has a lot of background in social justice topics and is a social worker as well, which is my professional background. Yeah. So she was just the perfect editor to hire on and like, her putting kind of the bumpers on my energy and my focus yeah. on my story that's it just kind of came out of me and poured out of me and I got it done in about six months yeah the, fl- the first manuscript and then did a full edit and kind of rewrite but it just it had a momentum once you got going yeah it's interesting because uh you know uh, the joke on the show is anytime people ask me like you know am I a writer like when I'm working with young people I'm like not until you're editing like the first draft is sort of easy because yeah. it, it will come out, not easy, but easy. Yeah. And then yeah. you got to go back and you're like, oh shit, what is this mess that I've put down? Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of lucky. I feel like with historical fiction, it's just better because you have the actual history to kind of right. schedule and structure. Yeah. So I think that's like lucky as a first time debut novelist that that kind of gives you what you need. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like my, I do nonfiction and I, you know, my writing partner and I always laugh. We're like, history loves us. Like, at the <laughs> end, we're like, what happened next? We're like, well, we just got to go find what happened next. Like the, the truth is helpful. Yes, yeah. and that kind of gives you what to do. Like, right, it's almost yeah. better than what you're coming up with in fiction, so. Yeah, and like, I think humans are just, I mean, you do social work, so I think this will resonate. Like humans tell stories, that's what we do. Like we, whether we're contextualizing our knowledge or our lives or traumatic events, like, and so history has that arc of story because even though when you're doing it, you're not thinking that way, I just think we structure stuff that way. Yeah, 100%. That's what our brains are wired for. That's what our limbic system does. And so it's so useful kind of working with the client and hearing their narrative of what they think of themselves. And as you start to like, even just tweak little parts, it's like, oh, you kind of take a whole different route and journey. And so I felt like the same thing just translated to writing. And for the main characters, if you start off with a certain like, misbelief or kind of where they think they're going and then if you just tinker with it a little bit it's like oh that's how you get them to flow into the new place yeah and it's and so as you were doing the historical fiction like mm-hmm. it, so this is like it is a story that's personal to you and in, in, in the way in which you came about it at least as i understand that but it also is not your story so like how like how this is a difficult thing and this is what authors like there's a huge discussion in the literary world about what stories can we tell? How can we tell them and things like that? So I'm assuming sitting down to do this, that was in your head. Like, what's my part of this story? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Totally. Um, So my story is told from the perspective of two young women on each side of a war, and one side is Dakota Sioux, so Native American young woman, and the other side is a settler German uh, immigrant woman who's on the prairie as, you know, westward expansion is happening. And so I chose to write from that dual narrative from a perspective culturally more different than my own, which had been the Native perspective. And I really struggled with it for a while and consulted people and asked for feedback. And at a certain point, I decided in fiction, it would be more problematic to leave a Native storyline out for the sake of I don't know, being too scared of doing it wrong. Um, and I felt like it was more important for me to work really hard at doing it right. Right. Um, and so what did that entail for you? Yeah, so I I mean, I did a lot of research. I consulted <laughs> with different um, yeah. historians and research librarians at different with different tribes throughout Minnesota and got their recommendations for where to go. So that was very helpful on the research end. And then after I wrote the manuscript, I worked with a writer, Diane Wilson, who's a, a member of the Dakota Sioux community in Minnesota. And she was yeah. phenomenal as far as going through my manuscript and really looking at that native perspective and making sure there were certain things I was I was mindful of and getting right um so I I got that cultural input and I thought that was helpful and so far the feedback has been very positive which is encouraging and it's just kind of like whose story is whose and when and how and that's kind of a great question in art right now especially well and people and I'm not going to say that it's easy, but like people are like, oh, my God, like we can't do it. I'm like, no, you do what you just did. Like you go and you say, OK, what 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 do I not know? Like as a journalist, as somebody who literally spent his life writing about other people, I'm like, this is not an impossible feat to accomplish. No, no. <laughs> I think it's just like do anything well um, <laughs> yeah. and be open to feedback on how to do it better. Um, yeah. So I think clinging to you know, strongly to what's right and what's wrong is like kind of missing the greater question about what we do, what we all are trying to do. Well, and I think, and again, like I was, a so I, my original training was middle school. I was a middle and high school teacher. And so I spent four years, like in early childhood education and how we learn. And one of the things I talk about on the show all the time is empathy is developed initially through reading. Like that's where you learn to embody other people's stories. And I'm assuming in social work, you have that same kind of background where it's like, look, empathy is really important and we need to be able to embody the stories of people that are not us or else we're never going to be able to interact with anybody around us. Right. And everything becomes very narcissistic and central. Mm -hmm. So like in some ways writing this story, even though it's not what you're trained for, sort of what you're trained for. Yeah. It feels that way for sure. (laughs) Exercise and perspective taking. And you're continuing this. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, this story, Yes, yes. I'm currently writing the sequel, which is set at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. So, which would have been historically accurate. People could have been at both wars and were. So it's just kind of as that those prairie wars continued. It's about 12 years later where 
the story picks up again and would make a lot of sense too. So that's been a lot of fun. I went on a great research trip and kind of rode through the little bighorn and it was just so fascinating. And um, yeah, both very interesting times in history. Well, and I've interviewed a lot of historians on the show who particularly who have done like Western, who, do, who they're Western historians and talking about, um, you know, like sort of the union, like post-Civil War, like the union and sort of the shitty stuff that they were doing out there after the Civil War. And like just all of the like all of the things that I've learned about the West just doing this show, I'm like, fuck, there's just this whole part of this country that we don't even and I say we like, I mean, most Americans don't even know exists. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty ugly. And I mean, we've kind of glorified the idea of the cowboy um, and no, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot that's like charming about it, but then there's a lot that's pretty gritty in the underbelly of it. And especially what the military did, yeah. had to do to like when it was, it was an ugly time and a pretty vicious um, war period for a country that kind of, especially because it's in the background of the civil war, it doesn't really get a lot of Right. And it's, it, it is from a, it's, it is interesting to me that the way we look at indigenous people as almost not American, right? Like as this other thing, group of people that happen to be in our country, right? In a way that the civil war and the sort of race relation, like there, there's just, this, it's this weird, the way in which these two cultures are treated in this country is really not great, but it's so fascinating that we don't even have a discussion about it. Yeah, yes. There's a certain sovereignty to, na to Native people and kind of like what their own story is versus how much it's integrated into the American yeah. story. And they're like so intertwined and kind of braided together. Um, and then one of the pieces I was just thinking of from um, the research for my first book, so this U.S.-Dakota war, um, it resulted in Abraham Lincoln signing off on the largest mass execution in United States history, which was the hanging of those Dakota Sioux men. And one of the reasons he did that was because of he needed, they were saying he still needed the approval of the people in Minnesota and kind of troops and, and where to send people and where, so that ultimately part, of, it's kind of tied into why he signed the Emancipation Proclamation was because he needed more troops to go to the Western Front. And so because of that, he was going to need black men to enlist in the army and so that was kind of one of his reasons so even like even that piece it's like oh we all love abraham lincoln but then when you look at some of the the logic of it you're like that's, even that feels like gross and so political yeah. like not quite as like a shining star of like the united states making the right choice right and you know it, this is one of the things for me like again as a writer and as somebody that has done nonfiction. The glory of the country to me is the good and the bad, right? It's the, it's the being able to look at it and go, okay, man, like, look, nobody in this world has done everything right. Yes. But what we learn as people is it's not necessarily the action. It's what you do in response once somebody's like, this is not right, right? <laughs> and I feel like we're failing that test a lot. And so yeah. writing a book like this feels, um, I mean, it must have felt a little scary. Because you're yeah. wading into a bunch of shit. Yeah, I was like, am I, <laughs> do I dare go here? What's my place in it? How do I make sense of it? Am I just like a white girl that learned something? Like, But also how might people respond to that? Like I can see people not loving th the story of it. Yeah, on both sides too, because my family is from Southern Minnesota where this war happened and it, on the settler side, it was the largest civilian mass casualty event until the events of September 11th. And so there's actually still like a lot of pain on kind of like the white settler side 
of how many people and ancestors and I have family stories of, of people that were killed. Right. And so the towns there and kind of what their perception is and the wrongs done to them that are valid. Um, am I betraying yeah. them? Even though like the native people kind of when you zoom in and when you zoom out, you're going to see very different things and both are valid in their own way. Yeah. Because um, nobody so thinks they're the bad guy, right? Like <laughs> nobody ever wakes up and is like, I'm Darth Vader. Like yeah, nobody. I think I'm going to be the bad guy because I wrote from each side and tried yeah. to highlight some of these things. And I'm like, I think both sides could hate me, actually. Like either both people, or either you could see like the balance and the greater yeah. vision, or you could say like this girl kind of missed the mark and tried to be too hard in the middle. And no one, no one likes that. And that's, I mean, as someone that's not a trained writer who is, didn't think they were going to write a book. That's what I mean. Like to then wade into like, this is not like, uh, it's a rom-com like that's not what this is yeah. right like that's a pretty bold fucking step into the writing world no I know <laughs> I know and then you're doing it again yeah it just, <laughs> it's, hard. it's so hard because then it also is like well maybe I don't want to write like a little bit of entertainment that is going to be like forgotten like maybe it's okay to like really strive for this having like some meaning to people or yeah. just it felt like my call or like a calling in a certain way I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do this well and see what happens. And if this is just something that I need to learn from and keep keep doing better, I will. And I, that's going to be part of it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is scary. It's hard to like step up to the plate and like want to do something well. And yeah. I mean, so there, there was a couple of reasons that I was interested to talk to you. One, my uncle was uh, with Dennis Banks at the wounded knee, the second wounded knee um, in the 70s. Uh, so he was there. So like I sort of, it grew up he was a vietnam vet and 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 all that kind of stuff um and then my family's also from at the poorest place in this country uh we founded it in uh, like a hundred like it's a the bloodiest feud in appalachia right and like most of my family was killed and so i've been writing this book about the family and sort of all of this stuff and I have this like, oh God, everybody's going to hate me, right? Like people that are not from Appalachia are going to hate me. Like the bakers and whites are going to hate me because if you're going to tell a story, you can't tell the story that your family told you. Yeah. Right. I always tell people like it, my shit, the stuff my family tells me based on a true story. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's their version of a thing. It's not necessarily the thing. Yeah. And that's, that's hard if it's particularly if it's personal to your town your family your wherever you're from like that shit's real yeah yeah for sure and I even think like I mean writing memoir even if I tried to write my own true story about myself <laughs> and my like my life growing up I mean that could be the most disputed thing by yeah. my family members and people are going to see that very differently so yeah. yeah it's each story is a story and yeah. that's the I, truest I think, thing anybody's ever said on this show <laughs> yeah because i mean it's i always tell folks like we always like when john and i wrote our book even though it was about technology and stuff we called it a story because the series of events can be looked at and like you said you tweak a little thing here or there that story is now you you adjust the lens that story is something different the events have not changed yeah. but the story of those events has changed mm -hmm. and it's absurd to think we're gonna tell the story yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times the consumer, like even when I'm passively consuming something, I assume it's truth and I don't look at whose lens am I is creating this and who's telling me what and why. And you know, the smarter you get, the more you can discern that. Um yeah. and I think the audience 
And I think audience members are looking for that more. Yeah. And especially if we have more complex conversations about history, I think stories like this are gonna fit. And uh, a reader who maybe would have read something very differently 10 years ago, now would pick this up and say, oh yeah, like, and this kind of helps me make sense of it. Something that feels pretty confusing and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't think you're gonna have the right answer after reading my book, but I think it plays on those notes and people will hear it and feel that. Yeah, and I mean, that's, to me, those are always the most, I mean, we talk about prestige, not you and I, but like we, the Royal, we talk about prestige TV and the sort of golden age of where we are because we're telling really complicated stories. Like the sort of days of like, here's the good guy and here's the bad guy. And like, they're gonna meet, like, that's fun, but that's not a, that's not a, I think a compelling thing in the world that we live in today because yeah. we recognize there's enough difference to know you tweak that lens this series of events is a different story yeah exactly well so uh, uh, uh dovetails in the grass is the one that's out that's out now dovetails in tall grass is out now yep and it's available everywhere yep oh, anywhere wow. books are sold online and a lot of local bookstores, but yeah, you can, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. That's awesome. Uh, and I'm really happy that you are continuing to do that. Although also it's a terrible profession. So, you know, like <laughs> you. good That's luck. Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great talking to you. Um, I can't wait to pick this up because I have sort of become a fan of this Western uh, uh, stuff. Like just do this yeah. show as a thing. I never thought that I would pick up and read, but now this is now Western. becoming one of the yeah. things that I'm like, oh yeah, this shit's really for you, but yes. What's that? I said it couldn't have been too far for you of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I always tell people, like I grew up wearing this shit. Like, like this is not like it's not a costume. Yeah. Like <laughs> and I wear it on the show in part yeah. because I'm like, there's not enough. We don't see enough men who sound like me and yeah. look like me that are like talking about reading books and stuff. And like, oh. that's a big thing for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So pick up a Western and it'll fit right in. Yes. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Have a great day. And uh, I hope we get to do this again soon. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Brad. Well, there you have it. That was Samantha Specks. Her book, Dovetails and Tall Grass, is out right now. She's delightful. 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 Uh, it is fun talking to writers at the beginning of their publishing career, because obviously that shit starts before. Uh, but one of my favorite things, don't get to do it a whole lot on the show. So uh, I appreciated everything about that conversation. I hope you did, too. Uh, don't forget, I ask you to do two things at the top of this show to help us out. First, leave us a review, Apple Podcast. You can leave us a star and a written review. If you don't do Apple, head on over to the Writer's Jam Facebook page, leave us a review there. And tell your friends about us, tell your friends about us, spread the good word. Uh, don't forget to check out all of the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Molly and Nicole are growing the shit out of this thing. Uh, the flagship program, Mother Mass Sleep with Podcast, is hosted by Molly McLear. The video podcast that we do out every Monday and Friday, you can catch those on the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. You can also catch them at theridersjam.com, or you can check out the audio wherever you listen to the Downtown Writers Jam. That comes out on Wednesday. The proper, the 60-minute long-form show comes out on Wednesday. So the only way to make sure you don't miss anything we do, get your ass subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, we'll see you around the internet.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.